Welcome, welcome, welcome to a very special episode of Own Goal Podcast. Date of recording, September 30th, 2020. Uh, soccer's back, and I know a lot of people would be excited about that, but I'm living in a world where Manchester United might be more of a dumpster fire than the presidential debates from the United <laughs> States. Let's, let's not insult Man United. There is nothing that could be as big a dumpster fire than what we just watched last night. Well, we're going to talk a lot about dumpster fires on this uh, episode. But first, to the byline. It's in, it's in our goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. He's almost behind him, sticks his left leg out, it almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball, it's the inside of his car. As always, we're going to get you started with kind of what's been going on in the soccer world, and the least shocking surprise is to Mourinho, size is everything. Um, it, Tottenham had a European League qualifying match against Shkendija. Eric, any idea which uh, where Shkendija plays their soccer? I want to guess, you know, somewhere in the European block. Um, maybe like Croatia or Bulgaria. So you're actually not too far off. They are, they are part of uh, the old Yugoslavia as they are in Northern Macedonia. Okay. Okay. I mean, I don't blame you. When I think of European countries, Macedonia never comes to mind. (laughs) No, no offense to any Macedonian listeners we may have, which I know we don't given on the demographic data of our, um, listeners. We're not, well, I guess no one from Macedonia physically in macedonia is listening somebody could be yeah. macedonian listening to be fair we don't have demographic data we have ge- we have uh, geo data but none of our location pings have hit macedonia yet but maybe if we say macedonia enough times <laughs> in this episode uh it'll get picked up you know skandija is like it's skandija man that's a tough one for me that sounds like something you get coming back from Shkendija a bachelor party in macedonia <laughs> More like Shindoja, am I right? So, um, during warm-ups, the goalies had a, uh, the goalies said that the goals were small. So, of course, Jose Mourinho being Jose Mourinho calls, like, you know, the UEFA officials to measure the goals, and they were indeed five centimeters too small, which is also a problem the hosts of this podcast both often have. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, um. You have to do things for that to be an issue, and you know, I'm. That's not that's not my life. Eric is the type of person you would find being sold by Sergio Ramos. <laughs> In other words, I don't um, know. This is, this is getting this is just getting weird. I, I want to see how awkward I can make it, and now I regret it. <laughs> uh, so I guess with that. We'll just jump into transfers, a topic that I don't want to talk about and that I will regret talking about. But we're going to actually start with Aston Villa, who have made some significant moves, not necessarily in so much who they've signed, but who they've gotten to sign long-term contracts with the club. I think uh, last week we mentioned that inaugural hot guy Jack Grelish put pen to paper on a deal till 2025. He also showed up to the signing with his puppy and it was the fucking most incredible it was hot and adorable it was that 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 incredible combination of sexy and cute yeah i mean that really says it all 
Well, at Villa center back Tyrone Mings followed suit, and he put pen to paper on a deal until 2024. And that's actually, you know, these are guys who are not only, like, Villa's better players, but guys who are sought after for clubs. So if a move They're, does happen in a couple of years, Villa will be well compensated for it. You, you have to say those are probably the two most marketable players on that squad in terms of teams looking to, to poach talent. Uh, first look is Grelish. Second look, I think, was Tyron Mings. You know, you've got McGinn, who's, who plays pretty well. Um, and then you have some other guys like, uh, I think it's what, Trezeguet or Trebuchet. Not Trebuchet, but I think it's Trezeguet. Mm. So they, they've got a couple guys that, that I think they could sell, but the two most promising, they just pinned for 2025, 2024. And then Donnie, in a move that I had seen no rumors of, no heard, heard no talk of, woke up this morning to news that Ross Barkley on loan to Villa. Yeah, uh, we like to call him on this podcast Broccoli Rob. But he, I think, you know, obviously Chelsea have kind of loaded up in the midfield position. Frank Lampard probably sized up his squad and realized really not a place for Ross Barkley here. Ross Barkley, I, I assume that most professional soccer players would rather play than be on the bench of a good team, would rather play. Now, I've been wrong many times. Yeah, Bale, Bale proved us wrong a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that adds another interesting piece, and I think that definitely helps Jack Grelish a lot have someone else who can help be creative, be in the midfield, take a little bit of the pressure off of him. And, you know, they've gotten to a great start to the season, too, as I'll talk about when we uh, get to the Premier League recap. And I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about a lot is what we leaned on is so many times last season, teams would key in on Grelish and there was no other outlet, right? And, you know, I think if we think back to the the few times Broccoli Rob has gotten some solid playing time for Chelsea, he's been, you know, able and, and willing to not just stay in the midfield, but make some overlapping runs, make some late runs into the box, kind of link up with other attacking players. So I think this does provide an opportunity, especially if you can find that form he had at Everton before he moved uh, to Chelsea. If you could kind of find that, 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 that old form, um, I think he could maybe, you know, find some, some gas in that tank. It's just, spend a few years out of the spotlight and, and it'll be interesting to see if, if, a, if a change of location can jumpstart his once promising career. There are some guys who will play really well at a lower table, mid table team, and then just can't, can't handle that expectation of going to that from like, you need to be in the top four. You need to win titles. There are just some I guys mean, who can't, who maybe the talent is there, but they can't get their mindset right. He may be one of those guys. You, you, you could even confine that to not just going from like a mid-table team to a big team, but from a mid-table team to Chelsea. You could say, you know, Danny Drinkwater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who does he? Where is he? Uh, he's got to be he's on loan. Somewhere, yeah, he's I feel on like Chelsea's line. still writing him checks. He's he's still in the Premier League, and I think he's one of like Bournemouth, Southampton – Something of that nature, I want to say. I hope you're looking it up because we're not we're not doing any cuts on this podcast. Uh, we're just uh, rolling through the. <laughs> I am looking it up. So t- last year he was on 2019 to 2020. He was on loan to Burnley and he played once in the Premier League. Oof. And um, 
it's I see on Wikipedia it says twenty twenty Aston Villa loan four games, but I don't know what that I don't think he's on loan anywhere currently. I think he's still stuck at Chelsea. Um, so I guess he okay he split last year between Aston Villa and Burnley, and he played five. He got five games. So, I mean, no one's in really the mood for a thirty-year-old midfielder who kind of sucks now. He is a Premier League winner, though. He was part of that Leicester City midfield. I mean, yeah, can can never really take take that away from him. Uh, and his his form during that run was incredible. It's just been a, a real shame to kind of see where he's gone since then yeah but um guess where he played uh guess whose academy he came out of man united (laughs) according to donnie anybody who's ever played soccer in the premier league either man united former player man united former youth academy or former man united fan I have never actually said that. You said you said that. You said that every player. I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> just saying. Um, okay. You gotta Dude, love Chelsea. Paid, Chelsea paid over forty-one million dollars for Danny Drinkwater. And Manu won't pay twenty-nine million dollars for Nelson Semedo, who's a phenomenal right back who's gonna tear it up for Wolves. Okay, I don't even want to talk about it. Well, yeah, I, I did notice. I did notice that Man United is not listed on the transfers uh, update. I mean, hard to. I mean, to, you can't be on the transfer <laughs> update if you haven't made any transfers. What are you, an well, asshole? <laughs> well, what I more meant is, you know, there, there are, I think, what two, two rumors. I'm, there's, there's stuff going on. You know, if something's going to happen in these next few days, it's going to be Man United, and I know they're making connect you know talks out to uh Dortmund that are just making stonewalled uh but there's also it sounds like Dortmund pisses me off with Jaden Sancho because if Bayern Munich wanted to buy Jaden Sancho they would throw in like Dortmund would be like not only can you have him for five gummy bears but I'll also blow you too okay you're you're giving uh Bayern too much credit because Dortmund is like A&M fans who chant SEC SEC because best case scenario they're going seven and five every fucking year that is what Dortmund <laughs> is to me in the transfer you're, world. You're giving you're giving Bayern too much uh, credit as being a good uh, uh, an actor in good faith because what they would have done was uh, talk to Caden Sancho three years ago and continue to talk to him for the, la- the last three years and have like five different deals in place and then once he was twelve months out, let let Dortmund know, oh, we've already signed your own player. <laughs> Bayern is very predatory in the transfer market with other German clubs. But the reason I was bringing up United is I've I've been seeing uh, that uh, they've been making a pretty heavy full court press into Dembele from Barcelona. Do you want me to read his injury history? Are you familiar <laughs> that this guy is going to be you know who's going to be really good friends with Phil Jones because they're going to be in the medical room together. Well, you know, <laughs> why I really wanted to bring him up, right? Because he's French. Before Barcelona, he was <laughs> a Dortmund. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Moving on to Luis Suarez, who has a content machine and continues to do so. Uh, last episode, I think we talked that there was a chance he's going to go to Juve. 
that obviously didn't happen. We, we, also, talked, we, also, we also talked about he had some sort of language or, or you know, some sort of language or, or, you know, civilian test that he had to pass. We, we were kind of talking about that was upcoming. And he did pass. Well. Before he even first, took the exam. At first. Yeah. <laughs> so. And um, honestly, in, in the most Luis Suarez fashion, right, let's not forget this, the guy that bit like four players, including Chiellini, and then tried to, to make uh, the like F- make FIFA and, and the regulatory board the villains because they said that shining the light on his biting behavior made him look like a bad guy in front of his kids. <laughs> so I just, I just wanted to remember, remind everybody that this is, that's Luis Suarez. No, you gotta Don- put Suarez in context. So, Donnie, how did he pass and then fail and then neither his uh, language test? So, basically, he's being investigated by the Italian police because the test was rigged. In that one, two ways. One, Suarez knew all the questions that were going to be on the test. And not, you know, you should all, if you prepare for a test, you should know the answers to every question on the test. You shouldn't necessarily know what the verbatim the questions are going to be. Number two... His test was scored as passing before he even wrote his name on the piece of paper. <laughs> and actually, it you know, he's being investigated a bit, but really more so they're investigating the entire citizenship test because I think, as is often the case with Italy, there's some widespread corruption and fraud. Yeah, there's a lot of problems there. I think what's interesting to, to note and to touch on is why did Suarez have to take this Italian citizenship in the uh, citizen test in the first place because you know that that's not a requirement to play in Syria. Uh, what it is a requirement is our teams are limited to only so many uh, non-citizen players, or they have to have so many Italian citizens on their roster. And Juventus has already uh, exceeded that limit of of their exempt non-Italians. So they needed him to be able to, you know, he has a, a European passport, I think from his time spent in Spain and stuff. So uh, I think through the EU and everything, he's able to apply for, for Italian citizenship and just, I think, had to pass this language test. And uh, whoops. <laughs> but, so because he couldn't go to Italy, that's on the table, he did decide to just hop right over to Atletico Madrid, which by the way, there is no more of an Atletico Madrid player than Luis Suarez. I mean, that is an Atletico Madrid player. The only possible more Atletico Madrid player than Luis Suarez is his strike partner, Diego Costa. And Diego Costa, quote, we now have one who fights, referring about himself, and one who bites, talking about Suarez. I don't think it rhymes in Spanish the way it does in English, but well, damn. I think what he, what he actually said was we now have one who bites and one who kicks. Because he's been kicked out of games for kicking players and stomping on players on the ground. What a dude! What, what these two are going to be like hooligans in the locker room? I'd be scared to be it's, teammates with them. It's the Bash Brothers from Mighty Ducks D two. <laughs> um, also, the fact that their their manager is Diego Simeone, who from like a, a manager perspective is all about the tough, the gritty, you know, a little bit of those dark arts. I uh, also got David Beckham sent off in the, uh, what, 98 World Cup? 2002 World Cup? I honestly couldn't tell you. I think he had, Beckham had long hair, I think 98. (laughs) I I know my years based on what style Beckham sported. 2002 was buzz cut. 
that, that is true. That is true. Um, but so yeah, he's. I mean, I love Diego Simeone, but on the on the oh, soccer field, he's a scumbag. Like as a player, he was a scumbag. That's that's I, not a bad love, thing. There's I a love, lot of scumbag players I love. I love the manager Diego Simeone. I, 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 agree. I love I, if if Costa and Suarez cannot kill each other. I think that they could do a lot of damage. Yeah, both in terms of scoring goals and actually physically hurting their <laughs> opponents. But I guess this kind of jumps us to, well, wait, Suarez was supposed to go to Juventus, but, oh, we said Dzeko was supposed to go to Juventus. Uh, we were 0 for 2 on that one, actually. Alvaro Morata is coming back to Juventus. In our defense, in our defense, we talked about how all of these potential moves, Dzeko, Suarez, whoever it may be, is a tag team of dominoes that, that could, you know, kind of create a bunch of chain reactions. And when you think about it, Suarez going to Atletico created the domino of Atletico had to get rid of Murata. So, you know, I think in a way, while being completely wrong, we were dead on and right, and I'm taking that win. There has to be a porno out there that's titled Tag Team of Dominoes, and it's about two <laughs> Pizza Hut delivery, or two Domino's delivery pizza guys just going around just tag teaming girls. <laughs> I just that's once you said tag team of or dominoes, guys or guys or guys or guys or two girl delivery drivers tag teaming yeah. guys or girls or yeah. anything anyone it tag teaming be, anyone it, it, it could be anyone it could be a tag team of dominoes it could be also, two pizzas fucking uh, each other also Donnie I'm, I'm calling it on the pod we have our t- our episode title <laughs> tag team of dominoes oh yeah um Che Chelsea got a goalie. Another one. Yeah. Maybe he'll be useful, unlike the two they have now. <laughs> I like his stat. I like a little bit about him. So his name is Edward Men- Mendy. He's from Rennes. And, and Dude, how many Mendys are, like, in top flight soccer? I believe it's a very common Senegalese. I, know, I, 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 don't think, I, don't think, I don't think they're related. It's just, like, there's just a lot of people, you know, there's just a lot of Mendys at, you know, top flight clubs across you know two or three of the top leagues in in the world right now and i guarantee you there's got to be a great burlesque show in france where the headline star is bendy mendy (laughs) um he's 28 years old so not exactly a young signing but you know keepers age better than outfield players yeah he's also 6'6 which i just love the fact that he's huge which is the opposite of keppa who is little I mean, and you could Keppa could be six four, but the way he looks, he reminds me of uh, of you know Jordan Pickford. They just they look so small, flailing flailing their arms after those balls they cannot get. So let's see. It'll be interesting to see how Rene's does. Um, obviously, goalkeeping is a big issue with Chelsea. The entire defense is a big issue with Chelsea last season, as to why they cut it so close to qualification. I think their offense is phenomenal, but I've uh, got to work on the defense so gonna be interested to see how this works out for them um wolves got one of the steals of the transfer window in my opinion by signing barcelona and portuguese another portuguese player for santos are we surprised he's one center back short or fullback if you don't you don't really need a center back one defender short of playing at all portuguese 11 at wolverhampton wanderers and that is wild to me that's incredible um, but they, uh, they signed Portuguese and Barcelona right back Nelson Semedo from Barcelona for 28 million pounds. I mean, that's a steal. I, how, how any of the clubs that finished above them in the table 
didn't sign this player, one thing in one club in particular, is maddening to me. It's actually maddening. Um, great signing for them. And then Manchester City signed Benfica defender Ruben Diaz, which now makes it like half a billion dollars worth of defenders signed by City. They sent uh, Nicholas Odomenti the other way. The Donnie, quote from the manager. I Yeah, I love the Benfica manager's quote uh, telling Ruben Diaz that uh, the club he's leaving Benfica for in Man City is only bigger than Benfica financially and, and in no other way. And... I mean... Benfica, historically, it, several European Cups. Eusebio, one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, they have a lot of history. Manchester City's history started in 2010. Like, those are yeah. just facts. I mean, I, I, I mean, just like that he basically told his player, like, you're a fucking sellout, you're a whore, like, go go have fun with your blood money, bitch. <laughs> I just... That was bold. that was awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, it, they're, obviously the, the Man City fanboys are like, oh, he's just jealous and, and butthurt and the fact that he's making these claims shows that they're not as big as we are, but you got to give the, you know, I, I love it, you know, especially in, in the soccer economy right now where Man City and like two or three other teams can outspend anybody. I, I like it when, when the, the quote unquote little guys fight back and push back and kind of assert their place in, in soccer history. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with that, shall we just jump into segments? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we for something else we, we could have touched on real quick is uh, in a surprising update, Milan is still making moves in the, the transfer window. Uh, I texted you about this kind of when the updates were happening. We always joke uh, about kind of the teams that would, you know, when a, a team would play like a smaller team, either in, in a cup or in, in a league play or something, and one guy would do really well on the small team against like the, the bigger club, and that club turns around and you and start hearing rumors of, oh, big club is interested in in potentially signing the guy that just torched them for whatever. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the he'll play for us one day. Yeah, he'll play for us, exactly, exactly. exactly. Uh, which is something that that when Donnie and I co-managed our uh, our FIFA team, that was whenever we, whenever we'd get just railed by some random guy, we'd we'd immediately go lodge a bid to to bring him in. So Milan had their second round of the Europa League qualification last week and played the I think the the top team or one of the top teams in the Norwegian league, uh, Bo, like Bodo Glint Glint or some, something along along those lines. And uh, this one guy, this this winger, absolutely had a game against us. He scored a goal against us. He set up a lot of opportunities. Was just electric on the flank, and he's in incredible form. And like twenty hours, maybe after the game, there were rumors of Milan are, are making inquiries into this guy Hauga's uh, availability, and he's in Milan today doing medicals for uh, like a five million dollar transfer. Hell yeah. That's an awesome well, signing. What's going to make you a little less excited is, and I don't know any validity to this, but I saw a few rumors that Man United have been monitoring, monitoring the kids' progress as well. Oh. Uh, I've also seen some rumors that there's a better chance than not that um, Milan is going to sign in a loan capacity Diego Dalot, the right back for Man U. I've, so... I've seen that we, we've we've made a few inquiries, but I, what I saw was Milan and United are a little far off on their ideal terms for, I think, uh, 
loan versus outright. I think I think United want him off your books, hundred percent. And Milan wanted to do the the United want him out of the country. <laughs> so, but yeah, so so I, I think we'll, we'll see. I mean. It'll don't, be interesting. Don't worry, I won't end the podcast if you guys sign Diego Della. <laughs> um, oh, I guess speaking of Milan, one last thing we've got to say is uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic tested positive for coronavirus. Yes, that was going to be in my Serie A update. He's got to be careful, he's an older guy. <laughs> you know, in his defense, he's like 38. You know, I don't think he's in the elderly category for... <laughs> COVID vulnerability, um, but yeah, well, I've got a few, a few, a few bullet points when we hit the Serie yeah. update. Um, segments. I mean, Donald, we got to go with Hawkeye of the week, don't we? Always got to start with Hawkeye of the week. Um, I actually think it's my turn to go first because I don't know if I switched the order. Yeah, I don't think you switched up the order. That's fair. Uh, easy, easy. If this guy scores a goal, the goal could literally just like go off of his back, and he wouldn't know anything about it. If this guy has any kind of decent performances, had three great performances recently, you know I'm going with Jack Relish as my hot guy of the week. Yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible. What, goal and an assist in their most recent game? Yep. Uh, he's got a goal. It last three games, a Carabao Cup goal, Premier League goal, Premier League assist. So, I mean, he is in Villa are 2-0 and on the season. Have it. Yep. They're in fourth place right now. Season ends today. Villa's going to the Champions League, baby. <laughs> Um, so I also have somebody, uh, from, from the premier league. I have somebody who is just a, from a visual aspect, just saucy. Uh, I've been a long time homer of this player. Uh, hasn't, hasn't been, you know, racking up too many goals, but he, he did not get on the score sheet as well as create a bunch of opportunities. His team is undefeated in the premier league. Uh, they were my dark horse pick for a top four finish. I'm going with Jaime Rodriguez. I mean, the guy has been unbelievable in, in a, a completely all-new midfield in terms of, um, obviously, Jaime uh, Allen from Napoli and uh, uh, Decore. I'm, I'm, I'm butchering the, the name, but from Wat- Watford, um, com- you know, completely new new midfield. Obviously, Jaimez plays a little bit up on, on the wing, but his, his link-up play with Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been absolutely incredible. Uh, Calvert-Lewin has uh, back-to-back uh, hat-tricks. He's, just, he's, not, he's not super hot, so I didn't want to talk about him. Uh, but apparently, I saw some stat of the last player to have uh, in back-to-back hat-tricks you know, in, in, in back-to-back games was Cristiano Ronaldo at Real Madrid. And the only uh, similarity is Jaime Rodriguez was on both teams. Uh oh! And I think Don Carlo <laughs> was the coach of both teams. And Don Carlo was, was was the coach. Yeah. So so I I just you know very just Jaime has been playing incredibly. Everton's been playing really well. Calvert Lewin's been playing really well. Their yeah, defense... he had a hat trick today, didn't he? God, yeah, that guy's dude. They ha- we'll talk about it in the Premier League stuff, yeah. but Calvert Lewin. Rick Carlson and James Rodriguez are a three-headed monster right now. This team plays how I wish Manchester United played. And the reason the reason I'm going with James over Calvert Lewin, even though Calvert Lewin's getting the goals, is I think I've been on record on the podcast as saying statistically, while goals are incredibly important, I think they're sometimes overvalued when looking at 
player importance to a, a team's performance. Uh, so I, I wanted to recognize James. Also, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison were on the squad last year without James, and they were not having these types of, of results. So I think he, along with Alon and, uh, and Decore, have been key pieces. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, also just look at James. Yeah. And don't stop looking. Um, so we are going to uh, start doing a new thing where we're going to do, we're kind of like, we've gotten through the best guys to do for um, attitude I, tests. I, I've, thrown, I've thrown Donnie too many obscure random players <laughs> these last couple of times that uh, <laughs> we need to give uh, attitude tests, uh, not, not a permanent break, we're going to no. maybe tra- trade on and off, yeah. uh, but... We have a couple other categories that we really shouldn't have been ignoring as long as we have been. Yeah, it's pretty negligent of us. Um, the first category we have, we should be kind of talking about more is we like to talk about so much about players. I think we're definitely a very pro players podcast. But oh yeah, I think we're a PPP. Yeah, we're a PPP. Um, <laughs> but we only talk about coaches when they get fired. <laughs> To be fair, we we talk very positively about Wolves manager Nuno. We talk about him a lot. Yeah, but after that, there's a massive drop off. And and we also one of one of our first hot guys. It was like our second or third hot guy. Or no, on our our World Cup, we we had a hot hot manager of the of the tournament. Yeah, Jamie Lannister. But, that guy was handsome as shit. But outside of those few examples, we have ignored managers. <laughs> so, um, coach of the week is like a new segment. We just kind of highlight a coach who, whether his team has, you know, gotten some great wins the last couple of weeks or some, you know, did something tactically brilliant or maybe even a great quote. Just, you know, just to highlight a coach of the week. Eric, why don't you kick us off with the first ever coach of the week? So... At the risk of being repetitive, redundant, and also the only other manager we really talk about, I'm going to go there. Uh, basically, everything I said about James outside of the super, super sexiness um, can really apply to my manager or coach of the week in Don Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying Carlo is, 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 is ugly by any means. You know, he's, he's definitely older, but he's got that that gravitas to his appearance that I think is actually real goes a long way, but more importantly, uh, he's bought into this Everton project. He's, uh, he's, you know, demanded from the board to get the transfers that he needs, that he sees fit and has constructed a team that, you know, has started off really hot. And obviously it's a little early in the season to, to say that they've got staying power, but I'd rather be in their place right now, tied first in the league than be really in any other place. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a phenomenal selection. Um, I had him as one of my two guys. Oh, and before before you jump into yours, we we were texting. Uh, I think during one of Everton's games, and I, I I was asking you, you know, how do you how do you feel Don Carlo is adjusting to life? You know, having previously lived in Milan, Munich, Madrid, Napoli, to now yes. living in to now now living in Liverpool and I thought you actually had a really good take on that yeah I think that like Carlo Ancelotti loves coaching soccer like he is a soccer coach through and through that is who he is it could be in a hut in Bangladesh and if he's waking up coaching soccer I don't think he cares I almost think he sort of likes the fact that like 
he gets to be low-key in this city. He gets to kind of live a low-key life and just focus on soccer. The wife, on the other hand, is probably fucking pissed. <laughs> like, I'm sure she gets a very healthy, like, go to whatever city you want for the weekend while I'm preparing for the game with the fam. Like, any city, take the PJ. You know Ancelotti's gotten paid in his coaching career. Take the PJ, go to, like, the... Go to like the OG Gucci store, get whatever you want. Like, I'm sure she's got, he's making some concessions to make her happy. But him, no, I think he loves it in Liverpool. It's a, and, it's know, a great bet, soccer town. I bet they also didn't haven't sold all of the houses that they that they've had in, in those previous. You know, I'm sure they if they don't have all of them, I'm sure they have one or two from the one of the bevy of those amazing cities we've mentioned. So yeah, it's they definitely have a house pretty, in Italy at the very least. You got to, yeah. I mean. I mean, who doesn't have a second home in Italy, am I right? <laughs> I mean, you know, he probably has a vineyard right next to Pirlo's. Um, and that gets us to now the... I can't believe this hasn't been a category sooner. Whoa, 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 sir. <laughs> Did I skip myself? Yes! <laughs> I You you got me... Like, I don't know, it's like, when I start talking a lot in a segment, when, you want to, when you're like, oh, what's like, you had a good text... In my mind, it's like, okay, I've already contributed to this segment. Um, oh, obviously my coach of the week is John Terry, as Aston Villa are undefeated in all competitions. And by so John Terry, we, I mean Dean Smith. So before we jump into that, real quick, you're the kid who, uh, you know, the, the assignment is, is write a paper at least three pages long. You know, it has to be at least three pages. You hit the third page mid-sentence, and you just stop because... Oh, I'm done. I hit my requirement. <laughs> I don't even need to finish my sentence. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, yeah, assistant coaches count for coach of the week, so I'm actually <laughs> I asking. I can't believe you're cucking Dean like this. Listen, Dean is getting cucked by someone else a lot harder than me. Um, I mean, Aston Villa, last season, I mean, they were – Basically, nearly relegated. It came that close. Yeah. To start off, getting a couple of wins in your belt. If they beat Stoke City tomorrow, be in the quarterfinals of the very prestigious Carabao Cup. Um, they're starting off the season hot. Getting players to commit. Also, like another part of being a coach. Getting those two guys, Mings and Grelish, to sign long-term deals. That's huge. Bringing in Ross Barkley. Like, you're making moves to be like, we want to be like safely in the Premier League. We want to start building steps to being a mid-table club, and we can build from there. Look what Wolves have been able to do. Look what Sheffield have been able to do. We want to try to make that well, next, those next kind of, okay, well, Sheffield looks like they're dog shit. Sheffield's having a rough go of it, but I, I, I get where you're coming from. And, and I think, you know, something to, it, just because Villa have extended Mings and extended Grelish, you know, doesn't mean that they're guaranteed to have them for the next four or five years, right? Right, right. You, you know, if if Villa doesn't make the investments in in their squad a they could get relegated and, and at that point they're gonna have to sell off those players to stay financially viable but then also if they you know survive relegation survive relegation but continue to be one or two points away you may get your your key players disillusioned where they are starting to demand transfer requests and, and at that point when you start getting two years or a year out from their from their renewal you're gonna have to sell them or you're gonna lose them on a free so these wins, as you said, I think are critical, and I just cannot believe you started the first coach of the week with a loophole. John, T- we didn't say the first manager of the week. We said coach of the week. 
I was wondering why you chose coach of the week instead of manager of the week. I was honestly wondering why that, that terminology, because we, you know, we have never referred to managers as coaches on this podcast. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Yeah, John Terry. That, that's, that's, that's why they call you the gaffer. Oh, we should call it the gaffer of the week. We really, I, yeah, it's Gaffer. It's Gaffer the week. My Gaffer of the week is Eric Gates. My Gaffer of the week is Eric Gates. Eric Gates is the first recipient of Gaffer of the week. And you know what? You know those players call John Terry the Gaffer. <laughs> oh, for sure. Even Gene Smith's old ladies call JT the Gaffer. Okay, Donnie. More, more importantly, as to how we've never done Gaffer of the week, this final category. How in our, and especially your love of this position recently how have we yet to have a weekly fullback of the week i don't know it's one of the greatest failings i've given our seven listeners of this podcast (laughs) and for that i am truly sorry fullback of the week um i am i think obviously the you know looks fine looks don't matter it's just position baby and you don't even have to play fullback in that game as long as you're a fullback eric and i we kind of have an understanding of what's a fullback like like the positions requirements on the field, uh, the the essence of being a fullback is fluid, right? Exactly, exactly. And my first fullback of the week, and it just happened today, has to go to Joshua Kimmich, who's also could qualify as a Hawkeye of the week. Honestly, there was a chance I was my I was dabbling with having a double Hawkeye full. I mean, listen, there will be a day where there is a Hawkeye of the week who is also my fullback of the week. Don't get me wrong. That day will come, but I didn't want to bust that day out too early. I didn't want to bust my load all over. But the not this day. Thing. But not this day. But not this yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joshua Kimmich, who played as an attacking mid, not a defensive mid, an attacking mid for Bayern Munich in their Super Cup. Bayern Munich, who Hansi Flick played Lucas Hernandez at left center back, just shows you how he was just like going to just jam in fullbacks when he can. Um, he also subbed in American center back Chris Richards at fullback, which now means Chris Richards for the rest of his career is eligible for fullback of the week honors. Technically, that is correct. And so Dortmund and Bayern tied up 2-2, German Super Cup, 82nd minute cue Joshua Kimmich with the game winner. And that yeah. to me is always, you hit a game winner, you are a worthy fullback of the week. So my, I, I think you're complete right, and and I have a feeling this will not be the last time we hear from Kimmich in fullback of the week uh, categories. You know, he's probably the odds-on favorite to take the double hot guy and full guy of the week. Just you know, looking at his talent, uh, the fact that you know Hansi Flick in Germany are are exploring the Philip Lom kind of transition and role for him. I think that just shows the talent that, that everybody sees in him. If we had a uh, physical award that was like like that we could like mail to players, it would be called the Philip Lom Fullback of the Week Award. Yeah, but it would it would confusingly be modeled after Marcelo. The actual, well, no, no, the, the trophy actual, would look like Marcelo. The trophy would look, the trophy would look like Marcelo, but would have it would have Lom's name because yeah, yeah obviously yeah yeah okay. I, I just wanted to make that clear. Oh, yeah. um, so I actually I have a. Uh, a runner-up that I want to just call out. Uh, he hasn't statistically had like an incredible breakout, you know, week or so. Uh, but I really want to talk about Brighton's Tariq Lampady. Hmm. Uh, I thought 
in the first couple of games, especially against Chelsea, uh, in the opening game of the Premier League, he's looked really explosive. They kind of have him at, at the the wing back, so I think that still qualifies as a fullback because of where it is positionally on the on the starting eleven. Um, just a, a guy that I think is really interesting to watch. Um, I, I want to see him kind of you know keep having a, a stellar season and then probably see if he can make a jump to a, a bigger team next year. Uh, but I want to just give him a quick shout out because he's 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 you know he's pretty young kid. Um, I think he's like yeah twenty years old. Uh, he's uh, I think I think he's an English national. So he's on the that list of England being able to almost play a. <laughs> a competent starting 11 of all fullbacks, which I know Donnie's excited about. Yeah. Uh, but he's but, also tiny, which I love for some reason. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's like this electric, you know, small guy, but five, five. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If you're really big or really small, if you're average height, you're just like me. You mean, get the, fuck out. Yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out. So my, my fullback of the week is on, has gotten these, this nomination actually, irrelevant of his his form on the pitch so to speak uh but big big transfer news especially for those of us like you and me who are u.s men's national team and you know inclined uh i'm not talking about deandre yedlin potentially moving to uh the turkish super league i'm talking about barcelona uh in a you know uh what was it again? A tag team of dominoes. <laughs> a tag, uh, uh, tag team of dominoes. Barcelona sells Nelson Semedo, and that frees up a roster spot positionally and some funds for them to pull the trigger and bring in Sergio Dest. And just from the, the rumors of his, his like, medical and fitness tests, he exceeded expectations and, and even really impressed some people just on his physical tests. And I think some of his speed and agility stuff. So they they spent around twenty million, I think, euro to to bring him in. That's not necessarily, you know, especially with how strapped Barcelona is. That I don't think is a purchase they're making just to to hold on to him and and, and bench him. I think they're expecting him to push and and you know get some playing time this season and just to have you know one of the in the last you know couple of decades biggest clubs in soccer. Spending twenty million to bring in a young American national team player is really exciting, and I think that just gives him my full fullback of the week honors. I think that's fantastic, and I'm really excited to see Conrad De La Fuente and Sergino mm-hmm. Dest pair it up with each other at a club with, even though I hate them, but a club with a lot of history and a really, I mean, overall, like like you said, one of the most dominant soccer teams in the last ten years. Well. And if we think about one of the pros you talked about with uh, Weston McKinney going to my dreaded Juventus, uh, and by my, I mean my rival, dreaded Juventus. <laughs> my dread of Juventus. Um, you talked about how just him being able to train with, with the likes of Ronaldo day in and day out is going to be incredible for, for his development. Uh, these guys, De La Fuente and now Des, being able to train alongside fucking Messi. Uh, we've got now three national team players training day in and day out alongside two of the all-time greatest uh, players in, in the game. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I agree. Exciting stuff there. Um, and with that, shall we just dive into our uh, league recaps? Yeah. Uh, why don't I mean we we always start off with the Premier Premier League. 
because uh, I know you lose interest once we get beyond that. So why don't we, uh, why don't we jump right into it, Donnie? Damn, we're going to be talking about that one in therapy. Couples therapy. <laughs> Always lose interest. Lose interest. If, 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 if On the nights we don't pod, I am asleep by 11.15. Eric, oh, let's pod at 11. No, Eric. I, uh, 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 I asked to pod at 10.30. Don't, that, was, that was lying bullshit. Um, and Donnie, we don't, this is our couples therapy. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, trust me, I don't want to start with the Premier League. If you see, I don't put Manu at the end or the beginning. I've conveniently buried them in the middle. Uh, I will start with Liverpool, who uh, we talked about that 4-3 thriller they started the season off with Leeds last episode. They were able to beat Chelsea comfortably 2-0 after Andres Christensen just got a red card. Oh my god. Just no reason, for no reason. I mean, I guess the reasoning was he got beat off of a long ball and went to take down, I think it was Mane, who had, who's playing incredibly well as I think we expect Mane too and he just nails uh, Christian just tackles Mane and uh, Kepa had I think come off his line out of the box to try to potentially sweep or keep her the ball away but uh, the the call was originally a yellow card and VAR reviewed it and as much as we dislike VAR the review and the correction to a red card was the right call because Christian Christian just just completely decked uh, a man who had who had who had gotten past the last defender and had a clear goal scoring yeah. opportunity. And then, and, and honestly, well, before that red card, the game was pretty cagey. And actually, I thought from a neutral perspective, kind of boring. And I say that as a compliment to Chelsea because uh, anytime you can make the talent of of Liverpool play a game that a neutral finds to be a little boring and, and you know not as not as open out of chances, that means they were doing a really good job. And then they went down a man. Yeah. Um, and then Liverpool followed that up with a th- come-from-behind 3-1 win of uh, against Arsenal with new signing Diego Jota getting on the score sheet there. Um, Liverpool, I, you know, I, I want to say, like, you know, Liverpool, they don't look like they did last year. They looked very beatable, very shaky in the back. I mean, they've conceded four goals in their first three games. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because they've gotten wins and anyone who's going to rival them from the Premier League has already dropped points this year. <laughs> Which is just, that's the thing that's, I guess, like, like even when Liverpool, like like right now, you know, like they're winning, obviously, they're getting wins, Wait. but they're not as dominant as they looked last year, have, but have, their have, rivals have, aren't doing have, shit. Has Everton dropped points yet? I think they're going to rival them. <laughs> that would be, I'm, I'm, what, I'm, if, what if Everton did I'm, win I'm, the Premier League? Yeah. This is not happening. That would be so wild. Like that wouldn't be the only thing that'd be okay for Liverpool winning the Premier League is if Everton did it to them the year afterwards, so they could barely even enjoy it. <laughs> that would be incredible. Um, there's, there's, no, there's, there's no. They don't have the depth, and the, no they don't have, have the, somebody as will good get as as and as good as as their their starting eleven has gotten. It's still not of the quality to to go 38 weeks with Liverpool. Yeah, I agree. Um, so Chelsea. Obviously, they lost to um, Liverpool, and then, well, one thing to mention with Chelsea is Pulisic is still out, and I think that's the biggest thing to mention with Chelsea, because my interest in Chelsea, now, okay, now Ross Barkley's gone, so that's huge, and then, and if Pulisic doesn't play, then I have no reason to care. 
now, now, yeah, now that Brock and Rob is no longer going to threaten to make five minutes as a sub appearance, Donnie has no interest in. Yeah, we're just going to Chelsea games at the 82nd minute. Up, oh, Brock well, and Rob's on, good to go. And that's something that I think we were talking about over the weekend when I saw that uh, Caballero was was making the start without Pulisic and then without Kepa. I, my interest in watching Chelsea is. It just takes a dive bomb. Now, obviously, they have a lot of talent, right? They brought in some exciting new players. Um, you know, I think part of the problem is take some time for those guys to gel. And I think Werner and Havertz are also realizing that, something that, that Pulisic realized last year, it's hard to adjust the Premier League. The Premier League is a better league than the Bundesliga. It's a better league than all of the other leagues. So it, there's a learning curve that you really have to have to catch up too quick and, and you're not going to be amazing you know right when you come in uh which we can see i mean chelsea felt you know went behind what three nothing they, they ended up pulling out a i think a draw um yeah but, against west brom but newly the, promoted west brom newly promoted west brom took it to them in that first half it would have been it would have been incredible to see them hold on to get the the, the full three points west brom but you got to be worried about that defense giving up three goals, but also I think if, if Pulisic's healthy, there's a very good chance that that Chelsea's halftime deficit is two or one goals. Not because he's going to help them defensively, but they probably weren't going to be at zero goals going into halftime with him. Uh, I, I've seen reports that he was playing some video game recently and, and on like the stream. Uh, mentioned that he's he's he feels very good. He feels very ready. Uh, but I also think uh, the the management and the team are, are trying to be a little cautious with him, making sure they don't bring him back too early. And I can appreciate that. And just to add to Chelsea's woes at the back, in that three three, it was actually a very fun game to watch. Um, draw, draw with uh, West Brom. Willie Caballero didn't make a single save. <laughs> And I just want that statistic to be pointed out there, that every shot on goal went in. Yeah, I do think in Caballero's defense, like each of those three goals that, that happened were directly related to a mistake made by somebody on their back line. Uh, even even my, my, my beloved Thiago Silva sl- did the, the Stevie G slip on the ball, and, uh, and that led to a goal. There were, there were some pretty bad gaffes. Yeah. By the back line. All right. I'm just going to tear this band-aid off as quickly as possible. Uh, when Manchester United announced their lineups for their opening season match against Crystal Palace, I texted one Eric D. Gates and I said, Fosu Mensa at right back? Question mark. Zaha is going to torch us. Well, 3-1 later, Zaha scored two goals against... The one thing I want to just bring up, and I, it's not that I get enjoyment out of it, but I'm going to smirk and laugh, so you're going to think I am. But there's some sort of cosmic irony at play that Donnie, who has this, you know, the last two or three years, I feel like really a, a newfound or further explored love of fullbacks, um, that you're just you're all in on fullbacks. For your team's first game of the season, they start Fosu Mensa at fullback. I don't get it, man. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, too. It just looked dreadful on offense. Everyone was bad except for Donnie Van De Beek. That's a whole other issue I'm going to have to uh, get into. <laughs> but Yeah, well, you can, uh, you, you can, you can uh, t- 
take talking points from his agent, who's also pretty pissed off. Yeah, and I don't blame his agent. Um, so, yep, they lost to Palace 3-1 opening game of the season. Zaha used to play for Man U, by the way. He was supposed to be Ferguson's last gift to Man U was buying Zaha, and then he sold him to Crystal Palace. So just, I guess fuck the guy who did everything for the club. Fuck his opinion. He was wrong. He's, he must be wrong about everything. It's not like he was fucking great. Then we followed that up with an even Zaha, worse performance. Are you, are, you, are you saying Zaha's a former Man United player? I am. Because he is. Just, just, just for the record. <laughs> I, just, I needed the record to reflect. Then you have the Brighton match. And if you think that I couldn't be any more upset after the loss to Palace, actually, the win against Brighton upset me even more. Because we should have <laughs> lost to Brighton, as Donny Van de Beek's agent said, 7-1. Because they set a Premier League record of hitting the post... Five times, we go they down. Being, they being Brighton. They being Brighton. Uh, we're down. It's t- Okay, we salvage a draw. 2-2, great. Whistle blows. Well, uh, VAR decides to take a post-game check in at something that happened at the end of the game. Rules a handball, which is the correct ruling. And Manu, of course, gets a late penalty to save the day to win 3-2. I very rarely, if Manu wins, I usually don't give a shit. Okay, they won. Good, move on. I felt bad for Brighton and their fans. They 100% deserve to win that game, no doubt in my mind. Um, now, Donny Van de Beek, the only guy we signed. The only guy who looks competent when he co- when he gets his five-minute cameos. Only guy who scored the goal immediately on his debut. Minutes of coming on. Scores against Crystal Palace. Uh, again, in Brighton, comes on. He is the reason why that handball happens. He's the last man you play to touch the ball. Handball. Earns the penalty for Manu. Manu's able to win that game. So I think, okay, we're going to play him this weekend against Tottenham. No, no. No, no. Let's just have him go the full 90 minutes today against Brighton in the Carabao Cup. We did win 3-0. I do want to yeah. say that. Maybe Dean Henderson should be in goal. That's where I was going to go. I, I, Because I five gonna goals just... in two games is a lot. I wasn't going to straight up say... You oh, know, and Dean Henderson had a worldy save today. Yeah, I wasn't going to sort of say, you know, it's time to pull De Gea, but I was going to ask you the question. The losses were not De Gea's fault. Let me be mm-hmm. very clear. The defense, Harry Maguire is a solid center back. Harry Maguire, when paired with a really quick athletic partner and not Victor Lindelof, is elevated <laughs> to a great center back. Because he had so because he can take more risks, and if he's caught out, somebody can recover for him. Well, it's also I think the the whole idea of you have a quick athletic center back, and then you have a very like positional center back, uh, good in the air and, and positionally strong with interceptions and, and just positioning and marking. Uh, that's the, the perfect tandem because the athletic center back can intervene in certain situations where speed and pace come into come into play, um, which. Those are not the inter- unless it's a mugger. Those are not the inter- inter- interventions that Lind- Lindelof is making. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, I got torched by a lot of Manu fans for even after clinching top four, saying, you know, this whole restart is so weird that I don't think you can like. I don't know how much credit you can give Solskjaer for what happened. I just I, jury's still out on Solskjaer. I don't know if he's a good coach or not. I don't know if he's the right way to go. I still stand by that, and right now I'm leaning like kind of like he seems he's so streaky. He's so streaky. It just seems to be like hot streaks, cold streaks, hot streaks, cold streaks. Well, it's something that we've talked about with like the Rashford back injury last year before the restart. 
his his roster management is interesting, uh, right? With with. <laughs> By the way, I think you're confusing the word interesting for the word dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was more leaning problematic. <laughs> now, obviously, we're not there in training. We don't know. A hemorrhoid what's going is on. problematic. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer <laughs> playing Donnie Vandebeek 90 minutes in the Carabao Cup when we have a, a Premier League match in a few days is dog shit. Well, and that, yeah, that tells me he's not starting once again, which I don't understand. You know, at least I think the good news for you guys is Fred played a lot of minutes in the the Cup game, which means he is not going to get too many minutes. In yeah, the... but you know what? At least Fred at the end of the game got subbed out. Yeah, good point, good point. <laughs> Maybe he's resting him up for this weekend. <laughs> oh, boy. It's just, it's this, I have a feeling it's just, I, when, as soon as Eric said, man, you were going to finish in the top four, I knew it was just so fucked. I'm in not, defense, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying it's your fault. In my defense, <laughs> that's fair. I'll take, I'll take that. In my defense, I really believed it at the time. <laughs> But I don't believe it anymore. I, I was going to say, I would, I'm would. i going to give you a chance to take that back. If you're giving me a true chance, I mean, I, I'll, if they don't make it, I'll take that out of my prediction. But just so you know, I've uh, in my own personal whiteboard, I've swapped them out for Leicester. Yeah, good call. Um, Arsenal look exactly like Arsenal. They beat West Ham 2-1, and then they lost to Liverpool. That's just like, that sounds like Arsenal. I don't know enough yet if it's going to be any different. Same with Tottenham. They tie Newcastle 1-1 recently, but then they beat they, they beat Southampton 5-2 thanks to four goals from Son. So and Harry Oh, we got we gotta talk about this. Son knocks four goals in. Harry Kane assists all four goals. And in Son's post match press conference with like a, a sideline reporter, uh Mourinho goes out of his way to interrupt the press conference and correct the reporter to say Kane was the best player on the field today. Have you been uh, seeing these like viral clips from that Amazon All yes. or Nothing show of Jose Mourinho? Yes. <laughs> I have to watch it. I just have to watch this. Like he is insane. So um, Jose Mourinho is a fucking crazy person. I'm a. He, he reminds me of Mugatu from uh, <laughs> Zoolander. Oh Zoolander. my god, he is Mugatu. He's he's Mugatu. Um, I. Because of just because of that post match press conference, where I, I'm sorry, I don't care how well Kane played, Son Son scored four fucking goals in the Premier League. Like even if you disagree and thought Kane had the better game, which is fair because, like I said, goals can be overvalued. You let the guy enjoy his fucking post match press conference. Son is such a vibrant, happy person. Like Mourinho, I feel like is zapping that energy from him. And for that reason, I am out on Tottenham long-term this season. All right. So Gates has already disavowed Tottenham. And he's already he, – he picked Man U 12 days ago to finish in the top four. And 12 days later, he disavows Man U. I'm actually upset dis- that you disavowed Man U. I don't know why. I haven't, I haven't disavowed Man U. I haven't – like I said, I'm, I'm – however they finish, I, 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 my, my predictions at the end of the year is still Man U. But I'm just – Personally, right now, these things, are, these things are fluid and... Like the fullback position. Like the fullback positions. It doesn't feel good for you, man. I'm sorry. 
Speaking of fluid, Leicester City spilled their fluids all over Pep Guardiola's <laughs> face. <laughs> when they beat City 5-2, to two, which is the most goals that have ever been scored on a Pep Guardiola team. So, a couple things. I think the biggest upset of the podcast is that Vardy was neither of our hot guys of the week after knocking a fucking hat trick against the Man City. Um, and I think Vardy is the world's most attractive, not attractive person. I understand exactly what you're saying. Like, yeah. There's something about him that is just like... As the French say, he has that je ne sais quoi. Uh, yeah, fuck you. Um, <laughs> but, so, I think, you know, he was an honorable mention for me. Um, oh, for I just, sure. I just didn't honor him with the mention, so I guess fuck me. Uh, but... Vardy, that Leicester squad really, I mean, they were down 2-1, I think, at a, at one point, and then knocked, or they were they were, they were they were definitely trailing, and they came back, and, and I think, what, two of their goals were off of penalties, um, three three of their goals were off two of penalties. Two of Vardy's hat trick, two of Vardy's hat trick goals were off penalties, but three of their goals, I think, by the time the third penalty came about, Vardy was no longer on the field. Yeah, yeah. So three goals were um, penalties. So yeah, like you said, most goals Pep has has ever Pep has ever given up. This is a Pep team that has had what like half a billion dollars invested in the back line alone, um, given up five goals. Uh, Pep had the audacity to criticize Leicester's tactics uh, about how like their inferior tactics of defending and countering. Um, hold on, hold on, Eric. If somebody broke into your apartment and ejaculated on your face, you would also criticize <laughs> their tactics. To be fair to Pep, you would criticize their tactics too. No, but 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 it, no. So so he but but he wasn't criticizing. It. So in your in your your metaphor here, um, he wasn't criticizing their actions, right? He was criticizing the way they chose to ejaculate, and that's that's wrong. Because clearly they broke, they they got away with it. So they had the right method of breaking in, and they had the right, you know, aids, masturbatory aids, so to speak. Um, they 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 fucked. <laughs> I mean, I was like, what is happening right now? Like, Lester's a good team, but damn. Yeah, Pep. Ugh. All over that bald head, too. <laughs> Another prediction I think was originally yours, but that I'm, I'm, I've, I agreed with immediately, and I'm doubling down on, I don't think he'll be at City at the start of next season. Yeah. It is just not working there. Unless they make a run in the Champions League. Obviously, it's so early. Like, we say this now, and then City could easily win 12 games They're in next, a row. They, yeah, they could. Yeah. They, they, they absolutely could. They, could. They could win twelve and go and go uh, undefeated for in the next twenty. Yeah. So um, let me overreact. Okay, we're early in the season. Let me overreact. You know, I think the storylines we kind of hit them all in the head. We talked about Everton early in the segment. Mm-hmm. I talked about Villa a little bit. Talked about Hamez and the three-headed monster with Calvin Lewitt and um, Rick Carlson. You talked about the midfield. Leicester City's absolutely flying right now. They're back to their pre-coronavirus form instead of their that post-coronavirus form which was great for man U but horrible so it was a bit COVID-esque four games to highlight man U Tottenham this is either a Tottenham win 
or the most boring 0-0 draw you will ever watch. Like, the, the type of soccer game that, like, people who hate soccer will point to to justify their hatred of it. Donnie, I, I think you are... I think you're wrong. Tottenham wins 5-0? No, I think it's a 1-1 draw oh. because Donnie Vandebeek comes in with 20 minutes left and generates an assist to maybe Rashford or Martial with, with like 10 minutes, 5 minutes to go. I'm here to say Donnie Vandebeek comes in with 20 seconds left and makes <laughs> something happen, which is also just as plausible, honestly. <laughs> Um, this next matchup I really like is Chelsea Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace have actually started the season off well, and they have a you know was they have a very high flying offense led by Zaha, mm-hmm. and Chelsea has a very leaky defense. So this could be in if I have an over pick, bet the over on this game. Especially if rumors are true and that there's a chance Pulisic plays. Yeah. Now the game I'm really interested in, and I know you are too, uh, Leeds Man City. So we've just been, I've been salivating at the, you know, Man City's most, you know, lost to, to Leicester. Leeds, I think, could be tricky. Leeds looked offensively really dangerous against uh, Liverpool. And as much as we like to talk about how Van Dyke's had a lot of, lot of issues, you know, uh, personally at the back, I think Robertson is great offensively, but can be suspect defensively sometimes. That, that Liverpool back line is streets ahead of Man City. And I'm very interested to see what Leeds can do uh, on the counter specifically because they seem to really struggle Man City defending the counter. Now, there's a part of me that can see Leeds having a massive upset here. But there's also another part of me that sees like like Pep, like, you know, rising up, wiping the semen off of his face. <laughs> and... Like, there's also, like, I see exactly what you're saying, and that's, like, part of me says that. Part of me could also see Man City coming here, and nothing against Leeds, but, like, I always feel bad for the team that plays a great team after that great team has had a after bad game. An embar- embarrassment for like, that great team. I-, I could see, like, Man City scoring six goals against Leeds. Just, like, just, and maybe probably conceding two or three, but, like, I could see them going off and having a response, too. That's the thing. That's the thing. I don't know. Yeah. I think, and you know what? I think if this, was, if this was a normal environment, Leeds being at home, I actually would would actually you know give them a, a shot to get a result here. Yeah. I think Leeds take the first goal. I think Man City in the second half take take the win. Yeah, but what, honestly, while I would I would prefer Leeds to to get a draw or, or win, I think we're in store for an exciting attacking game, and that's what more can we ask for. Last game I've highlighted is Aston Villa-Liverpool. Aston Villa getting off to get a couple of wins. Liverpool getting a few wins. Now Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish. If Aston Villa could get a draw here, that would be incredible and kind of maybe give us more insight on both teams. But more likely than not, I think Liverpool wins this one. But this is just one of the ones that kind of stuck out to me. This is what I'm tuning in for, for the individual magic of Jack Grealish. You know, I just talked about how two of Liverpool's back line have have shown themselves to be defensively suspect at times. Uh, so I think there's definitely opportunity for Grelish to make something happen and curl something from the outside the box. You know, something, something exciting. It'll be interesting to see if Broccoli Rob has had enough time to integrate with the squad to get meaningful minutes, or I think he may get the Van de Beek treatment, you know, 15, 20 minutes at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just speed through the La Liga recap. 
Uh, Real Madrid are definitely getting off to things really slowly. Started out with a 0-0 draw, a come-from-behind 3-2 win, and a 1-0 win. Benzema hasn't scored yet, which is both concerning for like my entire stake and reputation is now on Benzema's career. Uh, Hazard has hurt his back, so that's another four weeks he's out, plus another eight pounds gained, so another six to 12, eight weeks till he gets back into shape. Um, Barcelona... One thing to note, though, one thing to note is uh, Sergio Ramos has more goals than Benzema. Sergio Ramos needs to stop taking penalties. It's, un- <laughs> it's unfair to Benzema. He's taking Benzema's goals. Barcelona only played one game. They won 4-0. Ansu Fati scored two goals. He's really good. He's going to be really good for a while, I think. And Atletico already have a 0-0 draw. <laughs> you know, because that's just what they do. Yeah, but they followed I up think... a, a big win with a 0-0 draw. Yeah, that's that's the Atletico way. This is the way. Um, hey, Donnie, why don't you give us the Uber Eats update? Yes, thank you, Eric. Um, Mbappe came back for PSG, made them look much better. They beat uh, Nice, a.k.a. Nietzsche, 3-0, uh, and then they beat Rennes. Rems, someone 2-0 with an Acardi double. Uh, they play a team called Angers on Friday, and I just want to you know. I'm pretty sure it's Angers, isn't it? No, no, it's Angers. Angers? That's okay. what I'm calling them. Okay, I mean, this is your, your, this is your Uber Eats League uh, update. I love the juxtaposition. When I had the League uh, update, it was obscure U.S. Men's National Team's updates, and when it's your update, it's... Uh, uh, PSG. <laughs> yep, just just what PSG did. Let's move away. So, there's a lot of things to discuss in Syria. Um, not not too much really. We've only had two two match days so far. Uh, you've got you know Inter two wins, Milan two wins. I think Napoli have gotten two dubs. Uh, but what's really really important to note and for everybody to be aware of, as it stands right now. Juventus are sixth on the table, and I just think we should all uh, relish in, in that. They got they got off to a strong start with a, a win in the, the first week, uh, pretty soft schedule. But then they were one of the teams that was unfortunate to have a, a pretty big matchup week two, uh, Roma Juventus, and ended up uh, Roma took took the lead. Uh, Juve got red carded and was down a man, and they were still able to with a Ronaldo, I think a Ronaldo double. Uh, come back and, and draw that game 2-2 with 10 men. Uh, so Weston McKinney has started both both games, but he did not go the full distance on the 10-man red card roster. Uh, other than that, I, what, what I said before I think still stands in terms of where my interests lie in watching the league this season. Obviously, I'm biased because I, I like Milan, but I think we're going to see a... a a tight finish for those third and fourth place spots. Unfortunately, Inter look Inter look good. Their uh, you know Premier League holdovers or Premier League transfers uh, have, are playing well. You can just call them their Manchester United transfers. It's okay. You can just you're well. They also have Ericsson out there, but but oh, yeah, Romelu sure. Lukaku is off to a strong start. Also, their uh, uh, new right back who. Played at Dortmund last year, but was technically owned by Real Madrid. Ashraf Hakimi got on the on the score sheet today. Uh, Lukaku got a double today. Uh, they did play against Benevento, who was just promoted, so not not necessarily a, a tough test. Uh, but 
there's, uh, I think after the 4th, there's the, an international break. And then on the 17th, I believe, is the Milan Derby. And I think that'll be tell you a lot about both teams because Milan have started off things really comfortably. As everyone knows, I predicted them to finish in my top four. When I predict a team to do well, they usually do good things. Unlike when Eric predicts a team to do well where he just shits all over my soul. Um, Milan have looked good, hey. but more importantly, when Ibra went out with coronavirus, which we touched on, and I'll let Eric get into that more in just a second, they were able to still look comfortable without him and not maybe not rely on him scoring which i think is important in terms of like making a a season run to into the top four is having being able to show that depth and i think in that game like a lot of different guys have you know kind of stepped up and looked good and i'm gonna let you jump into more of that yeah so we, we've talked about a couple times uh a, i guess about a week ago now ibrahimovic tested positive for coronavirus he's actually the second Milan player to test positive uh the other is leo duarte who's been like a, a bank and rotational player had some injury tough injury history um but ibra being ibra is definitely the the bigger note here and in classic ibra fashion he uh his i'm paraphrasing his quote here but it was something along the lines of uh you know coronavirus or COVID 19 was uh uh has decided to go after me, you know, bad move or bold move or something like that. I'm, I'm going to pull up the actual quote, but just Zlatan channeling the most perfect Zlatan uh, quote. Sorry for not having, okay. COVID had the courage to challenge me. Bad idea. That was the Zlatan quote. And first first just, of all, that's fucking incredible. <laughs> Second of all, if the cure for COVID was somehow related to Zlatan Ibrahimovic's blood, couldn't say I'd be surprised. It would not shock me in, in the lead, in the least. It would be uh, actually one the, of the least shocking things about 2020. <laughs> so one one thing that I think is is of note. So Zlatan's out. Ante Rebic in the most recent game took a fall on a choppy pitch and had a nasty looking injury to his arm forearm elbow shoulder not quite sure what it is uh imaging has come back negative of any fractures which is good news Huge but news. he should he's probably going to miss time so critical to have that you know to, to pick up a win this weekend go into that international break and then get romagnoli back who hasn't played this season because of last season's season ending injury uh, as well as hopefully getting Ibra healthy and then potentially Ibrahimovic because Inter are firing all cylinders. But uh, I'd mark your calendars, ESPN, ESPN Plus, I think, on October 17th, Inter Milan, gonna be a, should be a good game. You know what? I'm so happy it's not the weekend before because uh, I'll be in St. Louis that weekend. But, okay, October 17th, my calendar's marked. That also may be that the weekend I'm doing the that trip with Emma, so <laughs> I I will I will be radio silent and I will be watching on a, a replay without knowing the results on Sunday. Okay, so that's good. Thank you for telling me that now. Yeah. Um, and with that, do you want to? There's all, the Bundesliga. That's always your uh, your territory. You do like the schnitzels. So something that I have to I have to confess. <laughs> Since, since the transfer from Schalke to Juventus, I've lost about 80% of my interest in the Bundesliga. With no Weston McKinney? With no Weston McKinney, yeah. I mean, obviously there's there's Tyler Adams to, to still follow. We've got Gio Reyna, who's you know had a strong start to the season. 
but I'm going to be quite honest. I haven't gotten into Bundesliga mode just yet. And part of it is because I've been so, so focused on, on a different sport that is now wrapped up. And then we've got the other leagues. So I'll be jumping into my Bundesliga interests. Um, but, you know, I think right now it's, I think you've actually followed more Bundesliga than I have. And we did have a kind of a, a, a weird weekend of results. Okay. Uh, where... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no please. I'm going to say this one thing. Yes, Bayern Munich got ship pumped 4-1 by Hoffenheim. <laughs> I'm, it doesn't mean anything. Because this is what is... This is what happens every year we do this podcast. We go, oh, it's the boring Liga. And then one random game, like, Bayern loses a lot. And then we're like, oh, it's going to be interesting. And I'm not falling into the trap again. It is still the boring Liga. Hold on. Hold Hold on. on. Let me finish the rant. Let me do not interrupt me. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Two years ago, it was interesting all the way. Two years ago, it was. But then it wasn't at the end because it was the same thing. But but it's not the destination it's the journey <laughs> get the fuck out of here with that i Bayern munich is gonna win it doesn't matter i'm not falling for this league again it's the boring liga it's the boring liga well to to back up your stance here so <laughs> Bayern got embarrassed uh like you said 4-1 and i think that is definitely very important to, to note and discuss but also in classic bundesliga or or, you know, as we've so often said, boring league of fashion, on um, the same weekend where Bayern Munich dropped points, what do the other favorites in the in the Bundesliga do? They lose. They drop points, exactly. So it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. Um, you know, I think Dor- I mean the only one that wasn't terrible was I believe Leipzig and uh Leverkusen drew and that's that's not a guaranteed win for for either of those teams but you saw Dortmund uh they they were shut out to nothing uh so it's just uh it's frustrating to watch I gotta read you some why just I'm just looking at the Bundesliga table right now Bayern are in seventh yeah Dortmund is in 10th Schalke is in last place with after two games played already a minus ten goal differential. I think I think they actually get relegated. Also, didn't Schalke lose like eight nothing to uh Bayern? So that's that's most of the goals. They lost eight nothing to Bayern. That is yeah. correct. And they lost three one to Bremen. I what if Schalke don't win a single do you think do you think if Schalke doesn't win a single match of the year, they could rent, they could make Weston McKinney the Bundesliga Player of the Year because his absence, <laughs> like, or at least the most valuable player because his absence so greatly impacted his team? I mean, it's the same way that astronomers identify black holes, right? You can't see one, but you can judge the effect on like on everything around them. So taking Weston out of Schalke has created a, a talent vacuum. And now they are a, uh, a submarine that's taken a couple torpedoes and has no buoyancy left. Yeah, Schalke is fucked. Important to note that it's too early in the season to really <clears throat> put stock into the table. That's why my update of Juve being six on the table is not really real. You know, they're going to be one or two. Uh, I think going to, to take it back to Italy as I'm... Uh, known to do i think this start is not promising for them with interstart 
but I just all that to say, it's too early to really put stock on the table. But Schalke's start, I, I, I think I think we may see a, you know, a, a his, you know they're they're a pretty historical club, especially with ties to the to U.S. players. I think we may see them go down. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, when you start your season off losing eight zero, even if it is Bayern, like you can't. Like, at a certain point, you cannot be giving up more goals than six. Also important to note that the Red Baron, Josh Sargent, got a start for Werder Bremen and knocked in a a pretty nice assist. Uh, A header off of a a cross or a set piece, knocked it down for his teammate to knock into the the net. Gio Reyna has also uh, appeared for Dortmund and scored. Um, Chris Richards and Giorena both came on when the game was 2-2 with about 15 minutes left in the German Super Cup. Zach Steffen's already made a couple of Carabao Cup appearances for Man City. And Ty- I mean, Tyler Adams has been uh, featuring regularly for RB Leipzig, as, as is expected. And he's also lining up all over the pitch. So he's, he's somebody that technically, I think, qualifies for your fullback designation. Even though we agree he's best in the midfield he has lined up as a as a true fullback for both club and country oh no he he could he, he is a fullback yeah he is someone we could buy in our when we do our season of only fullbacks and a goalie he is somebody we could purchase but um i think that wraps up a nice little pod here we'll be back for you guys in a couple of weeks um as we always say we're available on Instagram, at OwnGoalPod, Facebook, something OwnGoalPod, Twitter, <laughs> at OwnGoalPod. Please email us, OwnGoalPod at gmail.com. We get so lonely. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Or SoundCloud if you're janky. Or SoundCloud if you're janky or an up-and-coming rapper. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone have a wonderful couple of weeks. Enjoy being a part of a tag team, getting tag team, whatever it is you like. And hey, order some Domino's. Not not a sponsor. No free ads. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone. Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know. She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be. But none of me would be the enemy and destroy our destiny. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel. And I'll fight until the end, shall wounds always bend, oh no.
crush my spirit, oh yeah, right down to the bone. Until the day I realize my courage is all I ever own. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Shallow wounds always bend, oh no. Surrender your core I'll give you bombs of my love But I don't want 